0: Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic
1: Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With Conan Neutron.
2: Radio Valencia people, party people world over, you are listening to the one, the only Protonic Reversal. We are on the air and in your face. You can retrieve your mouse, you can retrieve your dignity, but you cannot retrieve anything but good times when you're listening to this show. Uh, We've got a great show for you today. We have none other than uh, the legend, the man, the myth, Mr. John Solomon from WPRB. And uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. I'm looking forward to, to talking with the fella. Not a bad
3: deal when you consider that you
2: and I think it'll be a really good time. In fact, I know it's going to be a really good time. He's the impresario of Comedy Minus One, if you know that label. If you don't, you sure as hell should. Let me tell you. Uh, and you're gonna. Because uh, they're great, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk to him. We're going to speak. We're going to chat. We're going to have a great old time. It's what we do here. It's how we roll. It's what we are. Uh, Let's kick things off with uh, some Bottomless Pit. How about that? How does that sound? Does that sound decent? Damn well better. Uh, So we're going to be listening to... uh, This is a song off uh, Shade Perennial. This is the most recent Bottomless Pit record. I quite like this one. It's called Fleece. Fleece. solid plan let's hold our hands up and believe in something hey you know as far as sentiments go i'm for it i think that's a, that that's a good one that, that's a nice one that's one that i think you can you can take to the bank you can deposit it and they may turn to you and they'll say this is a noble sentiment sir or madam but it is not in fact legal tender that said It's good to have good sentiment anyway. Uh, This is the Neutron flying solo today, so far. I would assume that at some point we will hear from Miss Brennabetz, aka none other than DJ (coughs) Real Time Drop. Drop. One can hope. Uh, I guess we'll see, though. Uh, We'll see what the day takes us. Uh, Any which way you slice it, about 15 minutes, we're going to be speaking to Mr. John Solomon. I'm quite looking forward to that. Nice fella. Good guy purveyor of doing things we're going to talk to him about the PRF Distro, we're going to talk to him about Comedy Minus One, we're going to talk to him about the olden days, my pal God we're going to talk about WPRB Princeton Radio all this stuff and so much more quite looking forward to it, interesting trip into the station this morning a lot of people standing on the BART train doing absurd things for instance, I would, I would probably make sure that I was, uh, you know, attached to a bar or something, holding on to something in case of a sudden lurch, which happens pretty much constantly, I would say, on, on, our, on our Bay Area Rapid, where the rapid should be in quotation marks transit. The, uh, the fellow was playing bejeweled and holding a sk- on one hand and holding a skateboard in the other, which I thought had the confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. Another entity doing absurd things was someone marking up would look like a textbook for a... I don't know, like if you're marking something up for school, like if, if you're, you're doing a book report and you want to go back and do your annotations later on. So he's fully marking it up, both hands, had a pencil, very deep in thought. And uh, I almost expected him just to, just to eat it the, the second that the train hit a lurch or, you know, whatever, whatever any kind of... Abject inconvenience that Rapid Transit and uh, BART, BART people, will leave you with. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Good for them. Less good for material for the show when I'm uh, trying to, struggling to put something together uh, before I play something. Uh, There was also a hysterical sobs or sick person. Game that I was playing, where I heard just a star- <laughs> I was, oh, okay, and I finally decided, okay, that's definitely a sick person, definitely a sick person. Uh, turns out, not a sick person at all. Uh, and the reason why it was a question is because I couldn't actually see the person in question. Uh, it was it was actually just that close, uh, close quarters, right? And I couldn't see the person in question, but the person in question, as it turns out, just has a really <laughs> kind of jacked up laugh. <laughs> so it was a laugh. And it was something, you know, it wasn't quite along the lines of, but uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, you know, that Revenge of the Nerds type of laugh. And uh, I was glad to hear that it was, it was a young lady who was uh, <sighs> mirthful. And neither ill nor uh, in any kind of a, a psychic pain. So that was nice to hear. Uh, speaking of psychic pain, here's uh, something off Dream Crusher, the new seminars record: uh, this is Diet Coke and aspirin. There they are, the Austerity Program, that's Song 33, the cleverly titled, so clever that you'll never be able to remember which one is which song off of Beyond Calculation, one of my favorite records of last year, actually, Uh, great, great tunes, uh, great band, Uh, stately, some might say, though some bean me, Uh, get that record. Get that record for sure uh seminars before that off of dream crusher we had diet coke and aspirin the cheery mr james burns of seattle washington that is available limited edition 10 inch vinyl 10 inch not 12 inch 10 inch it's eight songs 23 minutes Coke bottle clear vinyl. Get that. Seminars.bandcamp.com. If you need help with spelling, I would invite you to talk to my friend, the Google. Look it up. It's a Seminars, S E M I N A R S. Great band from Seattle. We'll be seeing them down here in the Bay in April for the PRF West. Not Coachella, which is just fine because Coachella is not a thing that I'm even remotely interested in. Nor should you be, dear listener. Coming up shortly, we're going to be talking to Mr. John Solomon, radio professional, impresario of Comedy Minus One, PRF Distro, my pal God, my pal God, for those people that remember that, I do. Uh, looking forward to that. That's going to be great. We're going to talk about the silkworm reissues. Uh, we're going to buy all kinds of stuff. Just, just stay tuned. It's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Let's cool it. All right. It's going to be a good time. Just trust me. For once, jeez. No, we don't have to stop and ask for directions. Uh, this is um, Couldn't You Wait" by aforementioned silkworm. There they go. Those are those silkworms that all the kids are talking about with Couldn't You Wait. That's off of the Libertine record, which was recently reissued by Company Minus One. And guess what? That's very timely because joining us by phone, we have Mr. John Solomon. That's right, people. That's right. We got him. You wanted the best, you got the best. Hi, John.
0: Oh, jeez. Hi.
2: These people are going crazy Go for you. You got, got a lot Go of uh, fans of the Worm in here.
0: I wasn't. I wasn't prepared for that at all.
2: <laughs> few are. Few are. Uh, that, so that was off of the libertine reissue. That uh, the, the record came out uh, some time back. I mean, that's for for those not in the know. Silkwooders, no, not a new band at all. And but no, you, you've you've had a long relationship with those guys.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, I I, I guess I first met them before that record originally came out, and that record came out in 1994, but I was I was tipped to them from a, a gentleman who used to hang out at the radio station at Northwestern University when I was a freshman there, and he said, yeah, there's a guy who went to school here for a while who dropped out and, and lives in Montana, and you'd probably like his band, and, and some, somewhere along the way I heard lodger their first record and and was a was a fan from that point forward
2: he's like kid i got a hat tip for you check it out it's so
0: yeah i mean not not with uh not with the same delivery but pretty much it was just <laughs> kind of like hey i know this guy he isn't around here right now you'd like this guy you'd like this band and sure um yeah i mean i m- remember hearing that that song uh, scrawl off of lodger for the first time and that pretty much
2: that that did the trick. That did it for. And then, of course, uh, you know, for for those not in the know, the Silkworm had a, a very long and, and storied history that was, uh, you know, with lots of great records. And they, they almost pulled. Like, I would say they pulled off a Creedence Clearwater revival type discography. And the fact that there's no you know there's no clunkers right there. They kind yeah, of do different stuff, you know. But
0: there there's some weird records in there in the in the mid to late period that that are comparatively difficult to parse. But if you look at say the last three full lengths that they did to consider that those are you know what their sixth seventh and eighth records are they're they're, uh, they're pretty incredible testaments i mean they were they were you know sort of full-on not full-on classic rock sort of towards the end but they were kind of
2: you know they were, they were letting the classic rock fly uh, yeah they sure. were
0: my my distillation of all those records that i had to Rediscover as an adult because I went pretty much from, you know, listening to Top Forty radio to discovering, you know, punk rock pretty pretty early on. That it was a, uh, I had to reverse engineer a lot of totally. a lot of music history.
2: Well, and that's and, and that's interesting because you know that was very similar to me. Even though I I was lucky enough to grow up in a house with parents that were very much you know music aficionados and and classic rockheads. You know, we had. I, my parents were listening to you know Van Halen and, and Neil Young and ACDC and things along those lines. It wasn't in, for me. It wasn't until you know I got to high school and sort of discovered my own bands, discovered bands like Sonic Youth and the Melvins and, and Big Black and things along those lines that were really kind of spoke to me. And then it, it wasn't. T- it was like maybe like fifth or sixth year of like touring in rock and roll bands that I finally was like, oh, some of this old, these old classic rock albums are pretty great, actually. Like I don't know why I'd, I thought this was like old people music.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had almost the opposite experience in that I grew up in a household where there was almost no music. Like, yeah, I remember okay. my, my mom, she really enjoyed the Kingston Trio who did Sloop John B., and my dad listened to a lot of, and still listens to a lot of, I guess, Benny Goodman esque jazz. Okay, but gotcha. There, there were no rock records in our household. I remember somehow. My parents had a Wings LP. That I, don't, I don't know why they had that, but I brought it in for show-and-tell in kindergarten, even though I had no idea what it was. I think it was is Speed of Sound. Is that a Wings album? Huh. I feel like I have to check now, but I think, yeah, Wing, that, that record, I don't know if someone gave them yeah, Wings at the Speed of Sound. I don't know if someone gave it to them as a, as a present or what, but I, I felt that it was important that I bring it in for show-and-tell. Back in you know 1978 or whatever.
2: That's really funny because it's one of the, it was one of those things where, all right, Johnny, there's some dangerous rock and roll music here, so we don't want you to get too many ideas. But know, the, Wings. I
0: guess the other thing is I, I don't even, I have no recollection of even to this day having ever heard Wings at the Speed of Sound.
2: Like <laughs> Obviously made a this, huge I'm impression, track right? Listing,
0: <laughs> I'm looking at the track listing now, and none of these songs you know ring a bell, but I have a feeling that. Next time I go over to my folks, I'm going to have to have to find it and finally put it on. You know, thirty plus years down the line.
2: Exactly, and and well, obviously it was a very formative influence for you, right? Sure, sure. (laughs) So, and you you kind of uh, so when you came into you know rock and roll, it was more through your own awareness. How did you end up getting involved in radio? Then was was that if if music wasn't that huge a part of your childhood experience?
0: Um. Well, music wasn't a huge part of my childhood with my folks. Gotcha, okay. But definitely at some point in the early 1980s, I really was interested in radio. And I remember listening to a lot of radio. I I have cassettes from when I was a kid where I would just tape. The Casey Kasem Top Forty Countdown off the air, having to hold like a cassette player up to the speaker, or telling everyone in the car to be quiet so I could try and record something. Right. Um,
2: Those were the and, days.
0: <laughs> and and I would spend time. At the, I spent a lot of time at the public library after school, and I would uh, like print out old. They, they would print the weekly top ten singles and albums in the New York Times every week, and I would go through old microfilm and, and print out all of these uh, these old top tens as I would find them. And, uh, but I, didn't, I, don't, I don't recall having a real... I mean, I definitely loved, like, you know, like I remember going to see Men at Work when I was a kid and, uh, and being really interested in top 40 radio, um, but I don't know if I had a real connection with the things that I was printing out or if they were just lists of names um, and somewhere along the way you know I I realized there was something else out there Right. And I right. think I, I had a friend named Dave who uh, who I remember first tipping me to the fact that there was a A radio station in princeton where i grew up that was that was playing things that i wasn't going to hear on the on wpst which was the top 40 station or wmmr which is the big classic rock station out of philadelphia and i guess as i'm jumping around the timeline the other thing that i remember is uh wabc out of new york had a lot of talk radio um and that's where like even though, in retrospect, the stuff he was doing was really unfunny. Uh, Don Imus was on After School and would do a lot of <laughs> sure, sure. He would, he would do a lot of skits and a lot of like he had Moby Worm and a lot of stuff that, as a you know, eight-year-old or nine-year-old, just sounded funny. And uh, I mean, right. it
2: was also- and it is before the form sort of changed and became a little more dangerous uh, as well. So it's it's you know, while while we may look upon that and sort of like you know, laugh now uh at, at the time, I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's what talk radio was. It was very, largely skit based it was like you know between songs, and yeah, he was a considered a progenitor of the form to be sure and
0: uh and yeah i mean and and even though how I wouldn't you know I, I Howard Stern was on then too, and so I just remember sure. hearing a lot of that stuff and just being finding the idea of radio interesting, but I had no. Except for, you know, I remember in fourth and fifth grade, like when I would have sleepovers, friends and I would sort of record our own radio shows.
2: Oh, interesting. I would be
0: fascinated to hear now, but I think it was just, you know, right. like a lot of like, you know, sophomoric stuff and just, you know, the kind of dumb jokes that fourth and fifth graders make. Yeah. But,
2: um, so you've heard this show then? Because that's yeah, basically what yeah, we
0: do. Yeah, not, not unlike what you're doing now. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was... I mean, I I think probably in grade school or whenever I discovered WPRB and and became sort of obsessive in my listening to it, by the time I reached high school, I wanted to start a radio station at my high school. And so I got a bunch of, I mail-ordered a bunch of books from the FCC about you know, how one does that, and I was, in retrospect, very much in over my head, but I, I reached out to the guy who was the station manager at WPRB at the time, and uh, he returned my call and, and invited me over, and I'd never been there before, I was probably, I guess, 13 or 14 at the time, and and by the end of that summer, he, uh, you know, had sort of given me some information, but, but said, you know, hey, if you want to... Do a show in the middle of the night, you can do a show in the middle of the night, and that was September of nineteen eighty eight. And uh, you know, I've I've done radio in some form or another uh ever since then.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a long time. And and well that's gotta be one of those things too, that when you're like kinda learning the alchemy like that, there has to be that epiphany moment of of wait, what? You mean I can actually do this? Like people can hear? Like it's not just gonna be me and my buddies, you know, doing our inside jokes at each other and Wait in a couple... okay, interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I... I, you know, as much as a... a 15-year-old could, like, I remember taking it very, very seriously. Like, there was a... ...another friend of mine from high school who... we did the show together for the first, like, three or four weeks, and... and I became, like, terrified. I was like, I don't think he's as serious about this as I am, and... It was the kind of thing where he was I remember he you know, he's was a very good friend and you know, I felt like I almost had to we almost had to kind of break up because uh um
2: sometimes I, you, I, you doubted know, his commitment to sparkle motion.
0: Yeah, I didn't I didn't know how to say to him like I don't think we should be doing this together anymore. Right, and then right. Without without ever even having to have that conversation, he kind of said that to me and it was I felt a great weight off my shoulders. Yeah, I go <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's and it, I mean you know I know I know you normally have a, a co-host when you're doing your show but it's very hard for me to imagine doing something now where it would be kind of two, two, uh, two forces at work simultaneously
2: yeah well it's a, it's a completely different uh it's a completely different feel because there's nobody to react to and there's nobody to uh, get, if you can establish a rapport with someone and actually be looking at them it's a lot more it's a lot different than if you're just pretty much talking to yourself in a room and uh they, they both have valid they're, they're definitely both have uh a, a valid approaches and i'm i'm very interested in both what i found for myself is that completely doing everything on my own required way more effort and it required there's just no room for error at all sure ever, uh-huh. of any kind and uh, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, uh, my my co-host Brenda Betts, normally would be on mic as well, but she's actually running late today, so, oh, right. <laughs> so no, she'll be on later. at the top of the show. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, you were listening. That's 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 a that's a rarity.
0: Yeah, no, I, I and I mean just you know rate you know since starting to do a radio show, like I've I've found all forms of of radio really. Interesting. I mean, I, I like
2: totally. Me too.
0: I like listening to the radio. I mean, I, I less so now, but for a long time, you know, I I to a lot of sports talk radio, and okay. that is not that is not something that I have any aspiration of being a part of. But I, you know, I I find it sort of
2: beaver and the, in the bulldog in the morning the coming at you. Be the seventh yeah. caller, and we'll you know whatever. <laughs>
0: I mean, most of it's terrible. Yeah, it's but awful. I, just, I mean. I, it was what I would fall asleep to when I was a kid. And so I think I find it kind of comforting in, in the same way that some people find white noise comforting is something to.
2: to sure. To. And without getting into too much of a uh, deconstruction of the forum, uh, I think it's interesting just hearing how people conduct a show and, you know, where the flow goes, uh, you know, what they use as like a breaker or something. If there's audience interaction at all, what that audience interaction looks like you know what kind of music is played. Is this a music show like there's That's I do find that really interesting. I find the same thing very interesting with podcasts as well. And like I'll even I, I almost have it in the same rule with bands that I'll give any band three songs. Sure. And and like if you haven't got me by three songs, then okay, I'm, I'm probably going to be out. But I'll, I'll give any podcast like an episode or two just to check it out, or any radio show an episode or two. I'm like, all right, let's see what they're up because anyone can have a bad episode. Yeah, anyone can yeah, have a, you know anyone can can go on and hey, you know, maybe you went out last night and went saw an awesome show, and especially if you do a morning show, maybe you're just not that great that day, and that just happens sometimes.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's related, but I, I definitely have...
2: I'm talking about myself there, by the way, in case you were wondering. I'm not talking about you. Your show's great. <laughs> no, no, fair
0: enough. <laughs> um, I have conversations sometimes with student DJs at WPRB, because WPRB is, uh, well, it's autonomous at Princeton University. It's, it's run by students. Uh, at the university and uh, about the fact that you can really tell just by listening to the radio if you have any sense of the radio you can tell the difference between the shows where even a modicum of thought has been put into them (laughs) versus the shows where someone just rolls in 60 seconds before they go on the air and have to scramble to you know they fall back on all their their traditional crutches because there there isn't any right. any thought going in and it's uh, i don't know it's, it's it's always an interesting conversation to have because when the not the light bulb goes on but when there's that that realization that it's pretty difficult to pull one over on the listenership and simultaneously right. the amount of reward that you will get out of putting some thought into your show. And I'm not even talking about like, Oh, this week's concept is all songs about the color green. Like, just like just putting a little thought into the, into structure and, and, content and, and why you're playing the things you're playing can, can go, uh,
2: they can go a long, a long way. way. Well, and, and I think what you what you mentioned holds true that uh, the listener may not be able to point out exactly why they don't like it, but they will just, you know, it'll probably be more in the terms of, uh, you know, because the same thing holds true for bands, right? Anything any, any band that isn't putting a lot of thought into the songs or whatever, it's probably not going to connect in the same way that it would for a band that is putting a lot of thought into the songs. But in the same... Yeah. A a radio show that is sort of ill-prepared and, like, you know, spends the first 20 minutes, oh, ha-ha, we're so, you know, oh, okay, and maybe they would be able to flow, like, a half hour into a two-hour show. Well, to a listener, that's going to, you know, that's not going to be interesting. They're not going to know why it's uninteresting but they're going to be like, eh, I'm not into that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think musically, like, I don't know why I always come back to this, but I remember at some point in the mid-1990s at the radio, uh, got two 7-inches, both on the same label, from bands from washington dc and the first single sounded very much like a band that just wanted to be fugazi like everything they were doing was lockstep with with the sound of fugazi at that time and the other single was clearly a band that did not want to sound like fugazi they were just influenced by fugazi and so you know you could hear things that they might have taken but they were they were they were still very clearly doing their own thing and uh I don't know. I just remember listening to that two singles, and just the 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 vast difference between a band wanting to sound like another band and a band being influenced by another band was right. was was jarring. Hearing those back to back.
2: No, and it's, that's very noticeable too, because it's it's something where, it, and I see this a lot where you have and and you know the lots of trend jumping and thing along those lines. there will always be if there's something that's. Brings something to the table and is interesting and connects with people, then the natural inclination for a lot of people is, "Oh, cool! That is that, and that that works. So I'll do that too." But what they fail to realize is that, you know, whatever that happens to be, whether it's a show, whether it's a band, uh, you know, a, a book, movie, television show, uh, doesn't matter. How how they got there is not usually because of that. You know, they were shamelessly aping something that came before them. Sure, <laughs> they sure. just happen to find success, or, or you know, even if it's not successful, uh, connect with people in a way. And is a perfect example. Like that band sounds like that band because it was those four people that came together in that way at that time. And uh, they, there's, and for me, it was the same deal that uh, you know, going out and, uh, and touring. And one, I got really sick of hearing bands. I like always got paired with the, the local Jesus Lizard or Shellac band. Sure. But, they, but they never were 140th as good as either of those bands They just had the the trappings Of those
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's difficult I mean, if you're, you know Bands like that are doing What they do Exceptionally well And to be sort of a, a photocopy Of a photocopy of a photocopy of that right. Is, uh, I mean There's a reason those bands are those bands Because of the the, the Musicianship and the, the Things such as such as that um, but yeah I mean I mean I don't know the more the more records you listen to it becomes, I mean I used to I used to book a venue in in Chicago and it it, it, it easily took away any interest that I had in being a, in a band of my own like, you know, <laughs> I, I, like I was in a band in college because that was the law then but uh,
2: <laughs> it's um, the law
0: <laughs> yeah but but um, yeah I don't know just just hearing so many kind of, not average bands, but just bands that, that I didn't find anything remarkable about just made me realize, like, well, if I want to be in a band, it would have to be really great, and I would clearly be the weak link in a really great band, so being in a band is not for me. Like, being a, being a champion of other people's bands is, uh, and, and, and such is much more uh, something I am comfortable with.
2: Well, it's it's much more noble too, if you don't mind me saying so, because
0: I do, <laughs> I, I don't know if I agree, but I don't mind you saying so.
2: Uh, and and it's it's something where it takes a certain amount of self awareness to be able to adopt that position and to be in a uh, you know in a helper sort sure of enabler role. That's
0: yeah, amazing. I mean I, I mean I, I like to be an enthusiast. Like I don't see anything wrong with you know being into the stuff you're into yeah. and uh, and. Talking those things up, and you know, if it's bands or uh, people you know who uh, make any form of art, like I mean, it's a it's a position I'm I'm pretty comfortable with, and and especially by having you know three hours on the radio every week, like if that is a time that I can heighten awareness of the stuff that I dig, like that's that's fine by me. You know, nothing makes me happier than getting a getting a message from someone saying. Hey, I heard this band that you played and I just bought all their records.
2: Okay? Right, and that, and that's huge because that's, you know, it's sort of like, oh, cool. You know, someone's out there is listening and, and paying attention and all this work and effort <laughs> of flying the flag and putting this time, heart and soul <laughs> into yeah, for sure. into doing it is uh, you know, it, it means something. It means something. And I think the same holds true for for a radio show as well that uh, you know, and I've I'm going to go ahead and say it. That, you know, I listen to your show. Right? I mean, I don't listen to it every week, but I listen fairly regularly. And I, you always play stuff. That I'm like, what the hell is this? This is great. And then that's,
0: I I appreciate that. That's I, very nice of you to say.
2: And then, of course, I'll play it on my show and pretend that I found it.
0: No, that's fine. I mean, I do the. I mean, I do the same thing. Like I listen to, you know, you can only listen to so much, and especially during weeks where I'm prepping for shows. Like I, but most of my recreational listening has, the ultimate end result of, Wednesday night. As uh, the reason that I'm listening to stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, I you know I have friends, podcasts, and radio programs that you know I will hear them play something or mention, oh, I found this on Bandcamp, and then you know I'll go and and grab it and hopefully try and mention where I where I heard it originally as uh, on the air. Don't always don't right. always remember to, but um, yeah, I mean, I think they're just you know all these folks that are pulling from one another's. Um, Interests, because as I said before, like you, you can't hear, you can't hear it all. You can try. No. I, you know, I I like I've just started working on my best of 2014 shows, which will be this coming Wednesday and the Wednesday after that. And uh, you know, it'll not be difficult for yet another year to fill six hours with new releases and reissues and compilations and songs from prior year, but at the same time, you know, I see all sorts of best-of lists from people whose opinions I respect, and there are no shortage of records on there that, that for one reason or another, never hit my cultural radar during the year, and uh, you know, I'll double back on some of them, and some of them will just be, uh, be lost before, uh, you know, the next batch of records get here.
2: Well, yeah, and that's the thing is, there's, yeah, like you said, there's never going to be enough time. You know, you're, you're never going to catch them all. It's, never, it's not a Pokemon sort of situation, you know. Huh. And, uh, but that's kind of what makes it fun, too, because you know that there's always, and speaking personally, that I know that any, any show that, that, that I do, I, I know that I can play all of these great songs, you know, by bands that are like, oh, you've got to hear this. This is amazing, and I'm, there's not going to be enough time to play it all. Because there's so much music out there. And that's good, because that means, okay, well, you know, then we'll try to get to it next time. And, you know, sometimes you'll miss stuff. And sometimes you'll be completely unaware of things as well. And you'll be like, where did this band come from? This is awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, and especially since I apparently have to dedicate 46 minutes and 38 seconds of, of my week to listening to Wings at the Speed of Sound. <laughs> <Right>. so that's a <laughs> time where I could get a couple records in.
2: That's the law, too. It's a weird law in New Jersey, but it's it's a law. Uh, So, and that's I think that's interesting because you bring up you brought up a really good point earlier about just uh, preparation, and and I think that. I don't know. Like it's yeah. It's not as it's not as if you need to sit there and make a playlist like oh yeah okay all these songs are starting with the letter R because this is the letter R day or anything along those lines. But it's just it kind of knowing establishing a flow do, and you can do con- contrast work as well. You know that that's fine. You can have like a sad song and a happy song next to each other or like a loud song and a quiet song. But if you can establish some kind of flow or theme to it, I think that that shows that do that resonate with me as a radio listener and a podcast listener.
3: Yeah, I,
0: I I especially like uh not knowing what's coming next. I think that's one of the most right. appealing things to me about the radio. Um but at the same time if there's a a human element behind it that is um thinking about not only what's going to come next, but where does the song that I'm playing now fit between the song I played before it and the song that I'm about to follow it with? And that's, right. I mean, like I, I listen to a fair amount of Pandora when I go running.
2: I and, thought you were going to uh, say Pantera.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I listen to a fair amount of Pandora when I go running. And uh, when it's great, it's, it's perfect for what I want, but the, um, the algorithm's, occasionally just do things where i have to to turn it off where you know hopefully a a human being wouldn't do that where instead right. of like i because i like a radio show i might want to hear like an 80s dc hardcore thing followed by like a pleasant singer-songwriter followed by like you know some wu-tang affiliated thing which are you know those like seem like the three most popular things that pandora likes to play but right. but, but instead of playing one after another switching to a third genre it'll go on these runs of like hey here's six or seven of that style of thing you like and you know if that is like six or seven 80s dc punk rock things that's great for running but then when it gets into like singer songwritery stuff and i just can't i can't get the algorithm to shake it it's uh that's when i have to have to switch to something else because I I start running slow.
2: Right. Well, yeah, and, and that's and that's also sort of you know where, where the a show fits a purpose as well. And and there's nothing wrong with that. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with themes either. As a perfect example, Hooch uh, Radio, one of the one of my one of the shows that also is on Radio Valencia that airs on Sundays, is uh, one of my favorites here. And they they recently started doing a series that I don't know if they called it this. This was my suggested title, but it was the the complete bastards of rock and roll. Which, okay. which was all just uh, great artists that have this incredible body of work, but were just not good people. So
0: oh, sure, there's no shortage of those.
2: Right, so you got you know your James Brown, your, your Ike Turner, like you know things along those lines. Where, uh, and I don't know what they actually called it, but it's really fascinating because they managed to throw in a lot of facts and things along those lines, and that works, and that works as a theme, and that'll hold your attention in a different sort of way. Where that if you have something, yeah, where. Hey, cool! You know we're running along the jaw box here, and up oh, and here comes some Bonnie Prince Billy downer jumps. Okay, yeah,
0: exactly. Yep. <laughs> it's happened. It stopped me cold.
2: And you know, it, it's it's all about you know, and, and hearkening back to you know, having a plan of some sort, even if it's not necessarily uh, you know every every move planned out, but just, just like establishing a mood and and kind of and kind of so to speak, running with it.
0: Yeah, no. I, I move. Uh, I don't think I was always this way, but I, I approach things now very not in slow motion, but I, I'm I'm a terrible improviser, is really what it all comes <laughs> down to. And so, like I, I hear friends who do shows that that have, you know, a lot more thinking on the fly going in. Yes. And I just oh, it terrifies me because I'm always sort of writing down notes and and trying to think you know thinking out my words very carefully and and uh i don't know i it's comfortable but at the same time like i think i i probably over prepare for a lot of things just because sure. then it'll make the actual act not as uh, agonizing
2: well, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with you know. Sometimes you'll have a stray observation or something, write it down, and you'll bring it up. And as you're seeing it, you're like, "Oh, that's not landing, is it?" Okay, yeah, cool, we'll no, no, move on.
0: I, I like I like all my I like all my ad libs to be scripted.
2: <laughs> nice, nice. That's 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 good. So, uh, yeah, when I first became aware of WPRB, uh, sure, it was for the last show. Uh, I believe it was called at. Uh, oh
0: wow! Yeah, two thousand. 1999 or 2000.
2: Something Absolutely. like that, yeah. Were, were you at that? I was totally at that show, yeah. At Princeton oh, Princeton University. University, yeah. And I. it was a, uh, for those not aware of, you know, of the history of it, it was this uh, crazy festival that had uh, Shellac played, Uzeda Don Caballero, Seam, Rye Coalition, uh, first time I saw Oxes, U.S. Sure, uh, Maple, I think, if I remember right.
0: Paul uh, Newman played. Paul Newman, yes. Yeah. Um, Arab on Radar, maybe? Yeah, that Um, sounds truthy. That was, honestly, that was just the work of a woman who was a student at Princeton who decided that she was going to try and get campus funding to put on a concert. And I don't exactly understand how she was able to pull that off in a fashion (laughs) (laughs) not seen before or previous like she had done events the prior two years i believe and i was still living in chicago at the time but she had done events the prior two years that i think were indoors in a big echoey gymnasium and like
2: which is more typical uh, of what you would expect from a college fair
0: yeah and um, but like i think uh like Modest Mouse played one year and, and Songs Ohio played another year. And I've gone back and tried to look at the Bills because they were, they were impressive at the time and probably even more impressive in retrospect. But, um, yeah, just she somehow was able to pull that off. And, you know, seeing the, the culture culture at Princeton – uh, it's all the more impressive, because they're, they're except for, they have these eating clubs at Princeton that are kind of like co-ed fraternities that have uh, financial budgets to bring in music, and mm-hmm. there were, especially when I was in high school, two of them that would get incredible bands to come play in their dining room, pretty much. And so, like, I saw the Feelies play there, and Government Issue, and Benghazi oh, wow. and the Berlanes, sure. and, you know, Firehose, and you know, they would get, and they, you know, this, this is a tradition that's gone on for years and years and years that's been entirely at the whims of whoever the social chair is who's bringing in music. But that pretty much is all of the live music that comes into Princeton, New Jersey on a regular basis, is just through these eating clubs. There, there aren't really, except for <laughs> on a bigger scale, concerts at the university, and there's, there's nowhere for bands to play in the town proper.
2: So the fact that
0: she was able to cut through whatever sort of red tape she had to hatch it through to have, you know, 10 bands play in a field in New Jersey in summer of 2000 or whenever that was, um, was pretty incredible. And I just, I mean, I have friends who, like, have close friendships with people that they met on the train coming to that Yeah,
2: absolutely. I I don't even, like, I can tell you that, uh, you know, me and a couple of my friends uh, traveled from... From the West Coast because it was like, oh, it's like, you know, eight of our favorite bands are all playing together at this crazy thing in you know, the East Coast. Like, you want to oh, go to it? Amazing. Like, sure, okay, cool, let's go to that. And and so we did. And then I kind of when I got there I was like, What is this? Like, how did this come to be? And it kind of actually started the wheels turning for me in a lot of ways of like, well, if these people manage to pull this off, either this university is a very magical place. Or maybe we could do something kind of like this in our area.
0: Oh, that's incredible. Because, I mean, I, I've noticed that, I mean, somehow in the last couple of months, I uncovered someone had put a number of those sets up on YouTube. And uh, yeah. it was definitely really sentimental watching them. But just seeing the the sheer number of people that were at that thing kind of with a a minimal security presence, behaving orderly, and and, you know, there weren't any real rules enforced but i think most folks that were there that day kind of got it but right. like hey if we respect this thing something like this could keep happening if we all act stupid this will never happen this here will
2: never again. ever happen again yes <laughs> and,
0: and, to be honest, even, and and but unfortunately stuff like that hasn't really happened happened there since i mean i i'm always when i drive around this area um looking at places and sort of thinking in my mind like, oh, if someone someone were to call me and say, hey, can you put on a show for us? Where would that take place? And I have no idea what
2: I would tell them.
0: I mean, I, I had a bunch of bands play at my folks' house in the, the early to mid-90s. <laughs> really? that, was, that was honestly because there wasn't anywhere to have these bands play. Um, like the YMCA, uh, seemed very uncomfortable with the idea of having a concert there and, right. and that there just wasn't like New Brunswick, which is about 20, 30 minutes north of here has a really strong, impressive, long running basement show scene sure. that oh. has exist that has existed for decades. And I don't know if the police in New Brunswick have more important things to deal with than, you know, a bunch of punk rock kids in a basement, but, um, But there's never really been anything like that in Princeton, which is—it's
2: interesting, which
0: is which is interesting and frustrating, given that there's always been, uh, you know, a pretty great independent radio station. There's a fantastic record store in Princeton, but just um, nowhere
2: for uh, nowhere for bands to play. play. Well, and that's interesting because I mean, like I said, for me that go into that the last show was sort of I, I. was determined to crack the code of how that was able to happen, and I, I think I uh, made the, the connection that oh, it has something to do with like this station is really good that they have that this WPRB. So so that's how WPRB kind of, got on on my radar, and I you know I made sure that any record I was ever involved with always made it to the station, of course, <laughs> ever after that. Uh, but it's it, it was it's interesting that it, it's such a, <laughs> I guess wild outlier that that happened. Yeah, at all. totally,
0: totally. And WPRB itself is kind of an outlier, and it's—I mean, it's—it's it's interesting to see with the people who are involved there when there's the realization that oh, this doesn't really matter to your peers or the people that you're in <laughs> right. like 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 WPRB is something that because of the range of the broadcast signal is far more important to the people of, say, Philadelphia than it sure. is to folks um, within the, you know, the four the four walls of, of Princeton University. And it's been that way as, you know, with, with definite exceptions as long as I can remember. And, you know, I, I, I can recall, you know, five or six years ago taking a bunch of students to I think Negative Land performed in Philadelphia, and WPRB sponsored it and, and brought a bunch of folks who who either hadn't really been to Philadelphia previously and hadn't interacted with listeners there, and there was a WPRB table at this event, and I think it was a really eye-opening experience for a lot of them to to meet folks who weren't students to whom the station meant a great deal, like actually having that in-person interaction versus just taking calls from from callers while doing your show was was important for those folks to realize um, like that the significance of of what they were doing and the significance of of doing a show which is you know something that i'm always trying to impart whether whether people like it or not
2: well sure because i mean you've you've been doing it for a long time i mean yeah but but i think there's
0: always that fear of not wanting to be that guy at a <laughs> right. at a community radio station who's like,
2: uh, here Let comes me tell you how things
0: were. <laughs> like, like uh, you know, I'm. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, especially in the last year or so, I've been super excited about the fact that um, there's a fair number of. Student-driven shows that I think are as good or better than a lot of the community-driven shows, and that hasn't always been the case. Okay, cool. But it but it's been great to see like people kind of develop a personality on the air, not right. like a DJ personality, but their shows have a you know as a as a you know casual listener or in the car listener, like sometimes I can tell when a certain someone is on because it kind of sounds. I'm not, it doesn't pigeonhole them, but the shows kind of sound like, uh, you know, a, an extension of themselves. That when they come on the mic, it's like, oh, of course, I knew it would be her, or I knew it would be him, because uh, they've kind of found their uh, found their rhythm.
2: They've they built that lexicon. They have that that kind of language of of just how they do what they do. Like the process kind of becomes an identifier uh, in, in making yeah,
0: it... and just like and, and you know, and and we're you know. I mean you either sort of have the exploratory gene or you don't like some some people are interested in oh I learned about this band it says that this band is folks from these other two bands I should check those out next and you know then the and then it kind of steamrolls like some people have the interest in exploring some people don't and uh, I mean I I think you can you know that's, that's all I mean I'm like, I always try when I'm on the radio to, you know, play four or five bands I've never played before because, you know, otherwise, you know, I think if things ever got stale, like, even with, I do this this show that's 25 hours long on Christmas. And I my, was my,
2: just my, about to bring that up. Okay, well, we can
0: segue to that in a second. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But, yeah but my fear always with that is, like, trying to balance the request that people want to hear every year right. with keeping the show interesting to me is is something that I I wouldn't go as far as to say I grapple with it but I definitely think about it a lot and I mean that's something why like this past year's show the first eight hours or so were all recordings that I'm pretty sure I hadn't played on the air previously just because I was excited to see that I could do that and so it was kind of like all right this first third of the show is sort of for me in a way before i you know got right. to all the the tried and true requests but at the same time i think the feedback that i got from that opening 8 hours or so was you know people were really excited about it because they were hearing all new stuff that hadn't hadn't aired on on past marathons,
2: which is crazy because I mean you've been doing that for a while now. I mean, yeah, I mean you've done a lot the, of them.
0: This was the twenty. So I do a, a show on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day that um, had been twenty four hours for a lot of years. Now it's twenty five hours, and, and twenty five hours still isn't enough time for
2: to get to everything. Material,
0: right. All the material that I'd like to play, um, and this year it went way too quick. But um, with you know. I think just about every set, I had something new that someone had recorded or com- been commissioned to record for the show, and and uh, and it really helped keep things interesting, yet, you know, I spent most of de- December 26th at home occasionally going, oh, you know what, I forgot to play, and then just remembering stuff that I have to kind of keep in mind. That- for next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like like uh, there was a a story that someone recorded for the show in 2013 that I was never satisfied with what time I aired it. Like I felt her story was great and deserved a far better time slot, and hmm. I spent okay. I spent 51 weeks thinking, "All right, got to make this right. Got to make this oh, right." Wow. And, and then
2: uh, talk again. about some advanced planning.
1: Jeez.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I didn't write it down or anything. Just I would occasionally think, like, "All right, got to make sure I uh, I do right by her," and I did. So uh, that's one one less thing for uh, me to saddle around for another year.
2: Well, and and one thing I really like too is that you have the the keeping score at site where you have uh, you can you post all the playlists of everything that you played. So if you hear something that you like on your show, that you can go back, people can go back and be like, what the hell was that? You know?
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm I was thinking about this this morning actually because I have like a list. I mean, for like three years, I'm like, God, I, I need to redesign that site and make it like where people can really like i've had 230 some odd bands play on the show and all that stuff is archived and streaming but like tons of it is real player driven because it was you know that's
2: what it was back then right exactly
0: because it was 2003 (laughs) or whatever and i would just you know if anyone listening today would like to give me a grant to uh move forward with uh doing some proper archiving of all this i would welcome that
2: okay uh, within
0: yeah you know i would just like to kind of get that up to up to snuff because even look looking at it today when i was posting playlists like just there's there's so much uh buried deep in that site that uh i don't know i'm i'm really happy with you know i was yesterday i did a show that was just playing excerpts from the 10 bands that had played live on the show in the in the previous year and
2: and you had some great bands on there, too. You had Risk Reward, you had Speedy Ortiz, you had all kinds of, of great... And that was just in the last year.
0: Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, it was Speedy Ortiz, Grass is Green, Risk Reward, Fake Limbs, Modern Hut, Noun, Literature, Dama Libra, Bad Doctors, and Amanda X. And, like, that's a pretty excellent cross-section, I think, of stuff happening in Philadelphia and folks who were traveling through and and people from the, the world connected to the electrical audio board that you and I occupy. Like, you know, I was I was really happy with how that all... How that all turned out, but just you know, hoping you know, trying to trying to figure out a better way where people who want to sort of like I, I've always been very jealous of the fact that WFMU archives everything, but for legal reasons and and and. I guess, a lack of comfort with it. WPRB doesn't do any of its own archiving, so it's it's always been something that I've maintained on my own just because...
2: You put that work into it, sure. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's not... It's, uh, work, I think work is a bit of an, a stretch, but, like, I'll, you know, I edit and, and post a show after it's done just because, you know, I... I you know I understand how I listen to radio like I can't always listen to the best show live but the fact that I can listen to the podcast the next day while I'm you know emptying the dishwasher or whatever like that makes it much easier for me to keep up with a program like that on a regular basis and and well, I wish everyone in the world who liked to listen to my program would, would listen to it live. I'm fully cognizant of the fact that, like, that's not the it's world we live possible. in. It's not always possible. Yeah, it's not, not
2: possible. Exactly. There's, there's no I, chance that's going to happen, really. I mean.
0: Yeah, and so, like, you know, I mean, I'm sure you, you experienced the same thing with, with your program. Like, just being able to, to have that stuff available after the fact where, you know, DVR-style people can enjoy it on their time instead of having to make it appointment radio is uh, is important to me and I think that's some of the future of if if that's not where we already are, it's it's where we're headed we're, with a lot of things. We're
2: fast going there for sure. And I g I gotta say that, you know, speaking personally, that uh, your show actually was one of the inspirations for me that I you know, I try to turn over the episodes very quickly and when I do there's a full playlist of everything we played and as much of a summary or recap of what was spoken about as I can remember. At any given time, and I, I I listen back to all the shows as well because I firmly believe that you know you can only improve if you actually hear what you've done. And- yeah,
3: I mean,
0: I, I mean, I've, I I uh, like when I get home on a Wednesday night. So so I'm on from seven to ten Eastern, and I'll get home and you know kind of edit the show a little bit, you know, maybe cutting out a little dead air here and there, or if there's a segue that went horribly awry live, I'll sometimes try and fix it after the fact, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good thing to, to listen back, just to, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't, certainly don't, I'm not enough of a narcissist that I would sit back and listen to an entire three-hour show in full, but I'll jump around and just make sure that... Sure. You know, the thing The things that I was... Uh, and sometimes it's nice, because I'll, I'll have a mic break, and afterwards just be like, oh, I did not tell that story as well as it sounded in my mind, and then to listen back to it and realize, eh, I'm probably being too hard on myself.
2: Well, yeah, because, you know, who's... who's Go into that granular level of detail. You're always going to be your own worst critic, as far as that goes.
0: Oh, sure, and 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 am I ever?
2: <laughs> uh, that hits a little close to home, there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, but it's it's interesting because there's very, and for me. And with Proton Universal, I've always made a special point of posting all the playlists. And one of the the shows that I thought of that led me to do that in the first place was your show because it is so important for me to be like, "Hey, that was awesome! What was that? Let me find that." And it's right there. It's right there in the site. You can find it. You can, uh, you know, it's not a big deal to, to like see what album it's on, and you know, in like three seconds of Google, you can find it more than likely. Yeah,
0: I I enjoy sometimes, though, when I get emails from listeners who will say, hey, I was in the car around this time, and I couldn't quite figure out what it was that you played. Can you help me uh, steer this this boat to port? And, uh, you know, then just by having to say to them, all right, uh, describe it to me. Like, I always enjoy reading the descriptions and (laughs) then being able to see, like, all right, based on this information, can I actually figure out what they were talking about, or... uh, or are they? You know, is it just completely, uh, completely impossible to solve?
2: Well, it's kind of has a Rusty Skank sort of flair, and then there's the post-hardcore influences, of course. So
0: yeah, or even just like, <laughs> you know, sometimes even as simple as like it was about seven twenty-seven in the evening, and it was really slow. Wait, I, that's, that's that's enough. Yeah, I can, exactly. I, I can hopefully I can hopefully do my do my legwork and. Uh, and yeah, and if that means that that someone is uh, discovering something that they didn't know previously, I'm I'm all for that. There's really, you know, I know I, it's related to what I said earlier, but just uh, you know, the breathless, what was that call? Right. is uh, is one that I will never tire of.
2: It's, it's always nice, and it's always it's always nice and pleasantly surprising when people are listening and you know have and have that reaction. And I think that's a that's kind of the wonderful thing about. You know broadcasting like whatever that means in, you know, the year 2015, which it is. In fact, the year 2015, which still blows my is mind. It? Yes,
4: that's that's weird. On mic
2: now, of course, is uh, Miss Brennabets DJ One oh, Time Drop.
0: That's how me. long have you been? Have, you haven't been there the whole time, have
4: you? No, <laughs> no, I just got here. I had a um, lapse of adulthood where you know my phone <laughs> wasn't working and like I slept in and I just showed up. It's all right. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Welcome. Hi. Hi. You're talking to John Solomon, Mr. John Solomon of uh, WPRB, Comedy Minus One, My Pal God, which we haven't even got into at sure, all. Sure, yeah, we've
0: talked a lot about radio. We have. we talked have, a lot about
3: records.
2: It's fine by me. And we're going to talk a little more about radio because we touched on but kind of danced away from your your Christmas marathon and your 25-hour straight all-Christmas songs
4: Oh my God! that happens.
2: Yeah, I mean he's done this for many years. It's it's, uh, it's I was, quite yeah, so familiar. It, it,
0: it's true, and, uh, I, 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 and I got a couple of these this year as well. You know, either the I hate Christmas music, but I like your show, which is always very nice to hear, or, I, I mean, I think people expect it to be much kitschier and uh, more novelty-based than it is, but again, right. it's kind of about striking that balance where, like, stuff like that is all right in moderation but it's entirely important to me about what it's juxtaposed against otherwise uh i don't know like like
2: it's not 15 versions of simply having a wonderful christmas time no
0: no no. (laughs) and it's also just that like like someone like dr demento he's great at what he does i'm not dr demento um and uh there have been a couple times where i think people have written articles about the show that have been very nice but kind of think it's like oh look at this this goofy thing that's happening and and uh I don't know I think that that almost that would that would repel me if I was reading about uh about something like that cuz you know there are a lot of really great songs on there that just uh happen to have some sort of uh christmas issy uh bent to them that that would stand stand alone as as songs on their own.
4: Well, like Greensleeves is not really a Christmas sl- song, but people play it as a Christmas song.
0: Yeah, and there are, there are a couple ones like that. Jeez, there's another one that I was uh Oh, like uh Thumb 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 is another like uh I don't know if I know that one. You'd know it if you heard it. I'm not going to I'm not going to sing it for you.
3: <laughs> but like there there are a few other ones like
0: that that like people associate with Christmas that just uh that really aren't that Christmassy, though. Of course, right. now I'm now I'm struggling to think of a third example. No, uh, is,
2: uh, well, no, that that's fine. I mean, we 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 get the idea with it, and I mean, for me, I think the most interesting thing when I because I heard about it before I heard it, which I was like, hey, uh, there's this dude at WPRB, and he does this this Christmas show. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Whatever, I don't care about that. They're like, no, right. you don't understand. He does it for like 24 hours. I'm like, what? Like is this like a bit? It's like well, kind of, but it's no, it's well, just check it out do
4: you just really love Christmas music or what i mean well i mean i think i would I would
0: have to like it to some degree well,
4: yeah'm assuming you, I am assuming you like it, but like do you are you do you love it are you, am, are you I, in like with it
0: I love doing the show, and i I very much love the music that I play on it, and uh um, but there are definitely people I know who listen to Christmas music year round. And there are definitely people I know who are like
2: super into Christmas, crate,
0: crate, crate digging Christmas music collectors. And I would not put myself in, in either of those categories.
4: Okay. So you're a normal human. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess,
0: I mean, as, as much as anyone who's on the radio for 25 straight hours on Christmas Eve and Christmas day can, uh, can ascribe to that description. Um, but no, I mean, it just, there's, I mean, just looking at the, like the playlist from this past year's show, like there's, there's so much more out there than the 20 or 25 songs that you hear at the, you know, the car dealership or the grocery store during Christmas time. Mm -hmm. And so being able to provide a, an alternative to that, um, I really enjoy the fact that, you know, these past four years have asked a lot of folks to do original pieces for the show, whether it's, you know, stories related to Christmas or, or writing songs to debut on the program, like stuff like that. I, uh, I love because, you know, Christmas is something that on some level everyone can relate to the idea of. And so then stories that are either, you know, tangentially related to something that happened on Christmas or uh, have a, you know, like there's a this story that this guy David Hill did about, uh, like they would prank call this girl growing up every year in grade school and high school and into college when it became, when Christmas Eve turned to, to uh, Midnight. And, uh, I mean, just an incredible story that he recorded, and I'm not doing it justice with that little capsule description, but, like, that's, like, stuff like that is Christmas to me, and, and you know, there's a lot of, like, old soul Christmas songs, and, and a sure. shocking number of, like, people who have reworked Misfits songs as Christmas songs, like...
2: A <laughs> shocking number, um, huh? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. actually Actually, insane. even one would be a shocking well, number. Well, I noticed that
4: on Spotify. I was looking up the Misfits recently, and
2: I was like, wow, wow. A of, there's, some, there's a lot of Christmas material. No,
0: but but I mean I'm I'm not even talking like like the Misfits apparently have like a Christmas single that I haven't heard. Yeah. But uh, between um the Christfits, Angry Snowmans, <laughs> and the Man of Sheffitz there's a... the man of Sheffit. <laughs> Angry <laughs>
3: Snowman <laughs> um,
0: There's uh you know? There's a lot of uh twenty lights, yuletide business. I turned into a nutcracker, you know, on down. <laughs>
3: wow. Oh we,
2: man.
0: We we are twelve twenty five, you know. I you know, I I think you uh it's I mean and it's I mean it's crazy to me that like what is there? Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven like like I did a set where I played all ten of the Misfits inspired uh, Christmas and holiday songs that I had, and just sort of to hear them all back to back to back to back, et cetera, was um, like just kind of made it even better to me because yeah. uh, it just it sort of highlighted what each band had done with you know like the equivalent of our classic rock, but um, sure, right? But but in a way where it's like. I mean, some of it was great, some of it was so dumb. And, like, this year, you know, uh, along the same lines, I was like, I'm gonna, I am want to try and do a, an all-Ramones-inspired set of Christmas music that isn't just 20 covers of Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight
2: Tonight. Right, and, which is, like, the I'm, most obvious get, of course.
0: And, uh, and I was able to pull it off. So, like, I like, uh, I, like I mean, this is a very roundabout uh, answer to your question, but I like Christmas music. I like I like I like I like themes and limitations and I like uh high concept and so um yeah this this checks all three of those boxes yeah. and uh I mean and it's the sort of thing I've said elsewhere but like I mean I think you kind of have to to hear the show a little bit to get it but um like I could have done a program this year that was 48 hours long and not repeated anything and played wow. on and still like Barely, you know, not barely Did, touched on, but but played, like never felt like there was a real drop off in quality control.
2: Right. So, um, that's, yeah, that's a, a huge uh, undertaking. It, it, wait, even wait, if it wait. wasn't themed, it would do be you
4: know that Meatloaf has a Christ, Christmas album? Have you heard? Uh, it?
2: I don't think I have. Wow.
4: <gasps> I mean, oh, well, there first, you go. That's my gift first, to you.
0: When, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> belatedly. Um, <laughs> when I first started doing the show, it's a bit
2: of a fruitcake, but it'll work for a show, you know.
0: When I, when I first started doing the show, it was very much like, okay, I have to play every Christmas record that WPRB has and, and also like, and I have to play every long song I know. (laughs) And, uh, and the fact that now I can be, um, super selective about like what, what I play and, 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 you know, feel pretty, uh. Feel pretty confident about each of the, the the choices that I make. Like it's it's nice to have that. Uh, like if, if I if I don't, I'd rather not play at all than it be like hour eighteen and be like, oh, what have I done?
2: I don't, I don't. <laughs> well, and especially because I mean because you do it for you know twenty five hours straight. There, at a certain point, there has to be like kind of like a backcountry sort of element to like like what's what what's going on? Like, you is there any disorientation that comes from
0: um you know this year i am um, i do a lot like we were talking earlier about preparing in advance like i've gotten pretty serious about uh what i do the rest of december and how that relates to christmas like i give up coffee and i give up uh, most sugary things for from like thanksgiving to christmas eve and so um my uh like Like, it's like I'm in training. And so, uh, like, I've done a pretty good job of eliminating all of the things that would make me crash in the Mm, past.
2: gotcha. Okay.
0: And, uh, like, I have a, you know, an all right, you know, assortment of food that's available to me during the show. And, you know, a lot of, you know, staying well hydrated and drinking a lot of tea and stuff like that. So, yeah, there wasn't really, like, there have been years in the past where either... Like after a while, if you've been up for a certain number of hours, your body kind of starts to turn against you.
2: <laughs> Most That's definitely, yes, yes. You're like,
0: all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you all the different ways in which I can say we need to shut this down. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and that hasn't really been as much of an issue the last couple of years. I mean, it you know definitely you know in the and, and also I would say. As people have started to listen more through the internet around the world, like what used to be like the bleak hours of five a.m. or something like that, like that's when people are up opening presents. Yeah, it's in, prime time in, somewhere. Totally in uh, in you know in England or in Europe, and so trying to be more cognizant of of the playlist a little bit while you know indulging myself with the occasional longer piece overnight, not wanting to. You know, ostracized folks where, like, they're making this part of their holiday and just, like, the bleakest, dirgiest, you know,
2: 20-minute pieces. <laughs> the yeah, bleakest, you know. dirgiest meatloaf Christmas jam.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Like uh, So, yeah, I mean, I, I like to think that because, you know, I I think about it in the weeks leading up to it, it, it isn't that bad. Um, I mean, as I said to Conan earlier, like, this year's show went a lot quicker than any year I can remember. Um, and so, like, my wife and daughter showed up in the last hour, and usually they show up with about, like, three hours to go. So things were really, really rushed at the end. And, uh, you know, I was a little worried in retrospect that I didn't, for lack of a better expression, stick the landing. Like, I was like, oh, I think my last mic break was too long. And, you know, I was I was just,
2: like, I couldn't, I couldn't shut up. Uh, and, uh, I have no idea what that's like. Go ahead. <laughs> um,
0: but um, but I got a really nice email from a listener the next day who said something about it. He's like, yeah, I really got the sense for the first time that you just didn't want to go home.
3: Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> exactly. I was like,
0: that is the sweetest thing. And actually, this guy, and this is great. I mean, not crazy, but it was just extremely flattering. And also, I had no idea he was doing this. He, he admitted to me, he was like, yeah i travel around a lot during the year and i've made these postcards or these little business cards about your christmas show and i just leave them places
3: oh wow, wow. Like, holy like, moly yeah
0: i was in oregon for work and i dropped these off here and then i went to this other place and i was like wow that's that's I incredible. no idea. that's i i, I can't, you know I, I look forward to the day that i hear from someone that says well i found this business card in a coffee shop in eugene oregon and that's how i discovered your show but yeah i thought that was uh, that's
4: really cool
0: that was something else
2: no that's that's
4: that's so flattering
2: <laughs> that's that's really remarkable yeah that's, yeah
0: i mean i mean it's the sort of thing that i would never to th- think of doing but um yeah if this guy's gonna do stuff like that i'm not gonna tell him no
2: yeah put him on the payroll
0: yeah <laughs> if there was a payroll sure. <laughs> right he
4: can be nope. your intern
0: yeah i i could actually use a I have a, I have several boxes of records, and I need to sort in the basement. So, uh, an intern is not that far out of the
2: question. Well, and and I guess you know, the, the, there's going to be no natural way to segue this. And we've enjoyed talking to you about all the radio stuff. But I do want to get into the fact that uh, you've put out records yourself, a lot of them, a lot of really very good ones. That
0: yeah, I, I guess so. Sure. No, I I'm, can let, say that. I'll I'll say that. To, I can say that. I'd be <laughs> happy to talk about that stuff. And if there's no easy way to segue, uh, let's just do a hard cut and move on to whatever else you'd like to talk about.
2: Sure, sure. Because, I mean, really, you know, what, what it comes down to is... Uh, what, what an excellent professional segue that was. This will not be a professional segue. Uh, so, My Pal God came to my attention through the band Paul Newman, which we mentioned earlier with the last show, which is how WPRB came to my attention as well. And I was a big fan of the band Paul Newman. Sure. And I I guess I'm just curious as how you how you went from being you know, someone that's like playing records to putting out records. Yeah,
0: sure. Um, so it's all intertwined and that's, you know, been one of the, the great and also probably at times sort of frustrating things about my life is just all of these things kind of intersect. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think I wish maybe there was a little more of a division between them all, but it's all <sighs> sure. kind of part of, part of my DNA at this point. Um, So, yeah, so I started doing radio in in the late 80s and, you know, saw people through that either by sending records to the radio or or people, you know, in bands um, or starting small labels doing stuff on their own. And there was a guy at WPRB who was uh, doing a seven inch for a band from Richmond, Virginia called Fudge, who uh, I think of sort of uh, disappeared from, uh, from history, but they had a single called Girl Wish that was really tremendous. And this guy, Scott got to put it out and, uh, just watching him do that process and becoming more interested in the idea of putting out a record. I think originally I wanted to do like a, like a four band seven inch. And then I got introduced to a band who was from Richmond, Virginia at the time called Purple Ivy Shadows, who was looking for a band, a label to put out their, their first seven inch. And, had a friend at, at Princeton who worked at like a, an offset press thing that we printed up a bunch of sleeves and, and, you know, had some, some money left over from my bar mitzvah that I put towards this. And, uh, <laughs> and, and there we were, I mean, and that was, and off you go yeah, 1992 or 1993, I guess. And just, you know, kind of, it became something that I would do occasionally. And, and there were a lot of missteps along the way and, you know, records I probably shouldn't have done that I did and records that I probably should have done that I didn't and and uh yeah I mean I think ultimately there were probably 50 or 60 My Pal God releases you know between 7inch and CD and and LP, and and some of them stand the test of time quite nicely, and some do not.
2: Well, I mean, you had stuff like, you know, that maybe it didn't light the world on fire, but it was still very worthwhile, like Hurl. And then you also yeah. had, you know, things that were, uh, you know, there's a, the Joel uh, Phelps record as well. And yeah, it's, it was interesting. You had, a, you had a good roster of things that, if the listener was willing to take a chance, just on the fact, like, oh, well, if, if this record label's is putting out it's probably worth listening to and I, I always found it a nice surprise like i don't know what this is necessarily going to sound like but i know it's probably going to be pretty good
0: yeah i mean i think that's that's ultimately what i was going towards um and uh i mean especially those hurl records like you know i've revisited those in recent years and months and and i think they sound uh they sound great they were just a band that never uh they just never shook their name i have a feeling if they had been called something else uh, people would have uh, i mean pretty much uh, i think uh wayne's world ruined hurl
2: yes unfortunately i think you're completely but, right on, on that. um
0: but uh yeah i mean just you know if you know if looking back at that time if my thought is like getting to you know work with and hang out with and tour with bands like hurl and and Paul Newman and then Dianoga and Joel Phelps and stuff like that like those are some of my uh, my fondest memories of the the 1990s so uh, yeah I'm, I'm I'm very comfortable with that but also was very I think aware as you know I'm, I lived in Chicago from 1991 to 2000 and moved back to this area to central New Jersey and and continued to sort of do some some records under the My Pal God fold, but kind of wanted a clean break from whatever uh, history there was. um, And also, I think, wanted to set up better accounting than I had set up when I was, you know, 18 or whatever. And, uh, and, you know, I, I never really like it when... I'm not a huge comic book guy, but I never really like it when comic books do the, like... right now we're reverting to year zero we're just gonna like
3: press the red button
0: and everything's gonna start again i was like if i'm gonna do something new i want it to be its own thing and i want to figure out like okay what are the ways that i can do this thing where can do more stuff related to how the internet is set up now versus how the internet was you know even five, six, seven years previously. Sure. Which is totally different, uh, yeah. And just and just wanting to, like... Like, I have, a I even found it when I was filing some paperwork uh, recently, but I have, like, a sheet of paper where I kind of wrote down, like, my basic notes of, like, all right, I want to start this new thing, and these are the ways that I would like it to work, and these are the, like, the ways that it needs to work better than uh, than my pal God. And, uh, and so in... 2007 there was the opportunity to do the CD version and digital stuff for the first Bottomless Pit record because that was record was only going to exist originally as like a a behemoth of a double 12 inch and that seemed to me like okay there's some guys in this band who are some of my favorite folks and some of my favorite musicians and and to have it be only available in a way where not as many people would appreciate it as as probably should, seemed uh, seemed silly to me. Totally. So I, I suggested that perhaps I do the CD and digital on that, and, and that sort of started me working with Bottomless Pit and gave Comedy Minus One a nice first release to uh, build from. And, I mean, I, I really, you know, that's a record I still listen to recreationally, um, frequently, and, and the fact that I'm associated with it in some way, shape, or form is uh remains uh staggering
2: i i actually it's listened it's to it else. i listened to it just the other day and uh, I, I could say the same thing it's a, it's a great uh sort of like overcast cold weather record
0: yeah i mean i mean just there's just there's like you can appreciate it on two levels you can appreciate it on the level that it's a just a really beautiful rock record and then like the deeper you dig and and realize everything that's going on that went into that record it, it just i mean it's it's never an easy record to listen to but it's just one of those things that just uh, man it is something
3: else
2: yeah it's 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 really great and it's it was interesting to me that i was like comedy minus minus 1 who the hell is this like what is what is the, what oh, is sure. that
0: yeah and it was funny because even uh, <laughs> zero like some someone oh, in the village voice wrote a piece about the first Bottomless Pit record and how it related to Silkworm and Michael from Silkworm dying and, right. and, Tim and Tim and Andy from Silkworm starting this new band and they they really tried to read into it they're like oh comedy minus one even the label name kind of connotates the loss of someone and and I was like no, it's it's just the it's just the name of the first albert brooks album like it's there, there's no, there's no there's no subtext there like I appreciate you trying to make that connection, but um I think any sort of quick uh, internet search would have uh would have dug up where the where the name comes from and i'd been i'd been using that as like an AOL Instant Messenger screen name for years and years and years. And so it was just kind of... Um, although, and with My Pal God, while the you know it was named after this Australian band god, Seven Inch, that I really liked, I mean, I, there were so many people who were like, is it a religious label? And, you know,
2: again, <laughs> yeah, is it, is it Christian? Are these Christian yeah, these rock bands? And <laughs> like,
0: And like, as there was more and more like, you know, Christian independent rock bands, like definitely got a lot of, I don't know, I think it, I think you know could have been better served with with a better name in retrospect. you know maybe there was some unintentional baggage that that the label got saddled with that was totally uh, incorrect. But um, but I have noticed that, like, I like the name Comedy Minus One real well, but I do hear from comedians looking for people to put out their records.
2: Right. <laughs> and you guys would be like, oh, sorry, that's not yeah. exactly what I do.
4: You're and, like, uh, you didn't actually Google it, did you? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's all pretty
0: easy to research.
4: Yeah, it's all out there.
2: It's too bad people are allergic to doing research on the Internet.
0: Yeah, for sure.
4: It's true. I get hives, and it's all weird, and
2: I have to go home. <laughs> you should have that looked at. <laughs> it's th- I I, should. Did, I think there's a topical cream for that.
4: Maybe. I hope it's available over the counter, because, you know, I don't prescriptions and whatnot. If yeah, exactly. so you,
0: you guys are in the mission, right? Just go walk around. ask. Oh, people. yeah, that's yeah, true. I'll yeah, oh, well, ask the true. dude
4: on the corner that commented on my hips when I was walking here. Mm.
0: Uh, as you're on your way to La go, uh... I'm sure you know you can find the right alley that can uh, provide you with the medicine you're looking for.
4: I have a funny... I just thought of this, because I heard this new term yesterday that I'd never heard before, but it's awesome, and I'm wondering if you've heard it. Have you ever heard of the, like... This expression riding a bummer as in like oh he's riding a bummer.
0: Riding like riding a bicycle?
4: Yeah, like like riding it out, I guess, or like oh, as okay. if you were like riding a wave but the wave is a bummer. Like oh, okay. Riding a bummer?
2: I've never heard that before.
4: I've, I have not. Really? Okay.
0: Now in what context did you hear it?
4: Well, I was at work and someone was referencing like someone being in a bad mood or something, and they were like, "Oh, I think they're riding a bummer." Oh, huh. Okay. And I was and I was like, "I've never heard that before. Am I, I like behind on the times, or is that something I, I, that I, outdates I, me?" Or
2: I consider myself a a, a student of of, of bummers? Sl- of, a student of bummers. Yes, a, a student of uh, the lexicon of slang, and I've never heard that before.
4: Okay, well, I'm bringing it back. Okay. We're bringing it you're back. Bring, yeah, you're bringing it and,
2: back. Me and my boss who said it. Interesting. Uh, okay, so, writing a bummer. I'll, I'll have to remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, when you are... We're, we got Comedy Minus One going in, and it, it basically was a bottomless pit vehicle. There's some obit stuff that's on there. Kind of like a very much more slimmed-down roster than in the My Power God days.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, I think that was Conscious on my part to ease into it very slowly of like, all right, gonna do a record, gonna make back the money I spent putting this record together, gonna do the next record. And so that was very much like the first handful of years while adding some digital only stuff to, to supplement everything financially. Like, Like I did not wanna be, I did not wanna start a label where it's like, hey, we're putting out these five records hey, we're out of business. Like, that was, <laughs> that was yeah. very much not my uh, plan. And even now, you know, yeah. seven years or so later, like, I'm very, like, I would love, like, if I could get three or four physical products done this year, given the the amount of time that it takes to, to birth a record these days, like, I would be really happy with that if they were the right records. Because right, there were a lot right. of times with, with my pal god stuff where like i don't know i think i i think i said i think i said yes to certain things just um i don't know because friends were involved and it seemed like a lot easier to recoup losses then but like there's like i I like the fact very much that i have been for the most part with like one exception Working with people that I've already known for years and years and years, and working with folks that have no um, ill-conceived aspirations of uh, you know
2: outsized popularity,
0: is, or yeah, or like this is the thing I'm gonna do, or because this record's coming out now, I'm gonna be able to do all this. You know, like they understand like how how things are and and what is a uh, you know a reasonable. Expectation, and so uh, I don't know. Um, you know, and it's just kind of like nice to work with folks where there's a level of trust that exists um, in advance, and like I understand that they're not gonna they're not they're gonna hold up their end of the bargain. I'm gonna hold up uh, right. my end of the bargain, um, and so I think I'm I'm starting to get a l- not a little away from that now, but just you know as You know, opportunities present themselves that, you know, might not be with uh, bands from like a certain subset of a subset. Like, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how I uh, how I approach that. But, yeah, at the same time, just wanting to kind of, you know, very gingerly uh, escalate operations while still remain uh, solvent and also
2: right sustainable.
0: Sustainable and also remain on a scope where I can, you know, still take care of everything. Like, you know, I woke up this morning. I packaged a bunch of orders. I talked to you on the phone. I will eventually stop talking to you on the phone. I will go to the post office. If it was like, <laughs> hey, here, here are, uh, you have to get, you have to package these, uh, you know, these 2,000 very complicated packages. Like, that would be great that is not a scope that um, I can deal with at this time or that my home could deal with
2: it. (laughs) That's a Team Solomon task, to be sure. Yeah, that's like... you definitely need an intern for that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, like, my daughter, she's six. She likes to go grab (laughs) records from the other room when I ask her to bring them over to where the tape gun is. Right, right. I can move at that speed. She can help me with, uh, you know, getting... Forty records packaged on a snow day. She can go with me to UPS if. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's at the like. Def- things have definitely been building incrementally, but it's still at a scope where I'm like, all right, I can work with this.
2: Well, and and uh, and. I do want to say uh, thank you, by the way, John, for joining us. We are going to have to uh, uh, to let you go fairly soon, I know. But, oh, geez, uh, sure. But I do want to touch on the PRF Distro before we let you go, because it seems to tie into kind of what you're talking about right now, about you know keeping expectations where they should be and keeping things sustainable. I think the PRF, PRF Distro is, uh, for those that are not aware, and they can find out more uh, about it by just going to, uh, I believe it's uh, PRFDistro.com. That's correct. You nailed it. And uh, it's a sort of a subsection, subsection of Comedy Minus One where you can find all these fantastic records uh, put out largely uh, by the PRF community.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's over 100 different releases there. Um, mostly, I was at a basketball game on Tuesday and someone was sort of asking me about some of the stuff I do and they were like, so where do you find these records that you mail? And I was like, well, a lot of them are... I couldn't think of a better word. I was like, they're a lot of, they're kind of artisanal. I was like a
3: lot of very small run. <laughs> very limited, I love that.
0: <laughs> small run, limited edition records that, you know, might be hard to track down all of them on your own. And now they're um, under, literally under one roof. And, uh, you know, it seems to be the kind of thing where. I mean, like I was saying earlier, when it was an idea that I had last summer where I went to Chicago for the, the PRF barbecue and uh, saw all these great bands. Most of those bands had records. Most of those bands were selling those records individually. And uh, I had actually talked to the guy who was launching a, a distributor in Chicago. Um, I was like, you should really track down a lot of these bands. And then when I was on my way back from Chicago, driving back from Chicago to, to Pittsburgh after the barbecue was over, I realized, well, I go to the post office just about every day. I have a basement. Like,
2: check and, and know, check. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I,
0: I could probably do this on my own. And right. so then just spent like the next three months kind of gathering stock and having my neighbors donate a like a... IKEA expedit and uh, and entering a bunch of you know items into a you know, like a digital portal and uh, and yeah now there's a, a fairly nice system set up and hopefully it's a, it's a good one stop
2: shop too you can kind of yeah just find and all like ho- stuff in one place
0: and like again it's the kind of thing where like you know we exist in a world now where you can pretty much stream any one of these records before you buy them you can you can kind of make up your, you know, there's a lot less dice rolling, but, like, at the same time, if you, you know, I think there's a certain, I don't know, there's a certain quality seal that I hope exists, and, and you know, some of these might be more of a, a gamble to take than others, but, like, I don't know, I, I it, uh, when I go down into the basement to grab orders and I see some of the records that are there and think about, some of the folks that I've gotten to know through their bands and through this world and uh, the regard that I hold them in, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the fact that a way exists to, to get all this stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that I'm the facilitator of it is kind of secondary to me. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just excited about the fact that, uh, you know, it, it sort of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about being a champion of stuff. Right. Like, if 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 that's going to be my uh, my lot to uh, you know be the guy who uh, who tried to talk up a bunch of good records to other people, like that's that's fine by me. So yeah. So uh, and and hopefully next week, I've been holding off just because of the, the the winter holidays going to roll out a bunch of new additions to the prf distro
3: catalog so that uh
0: payday yeah that seminars record that you mentioned uh, i'm looking forward to
2: picking that up yes
0: should have that available soon and a couple other things that i've just haven't entered haven't done the databasing for that i need to have like a a databasing party one afternoon or evening and just get all that in the system and hopefully that'll uh that'll uh, spike up some renewed interest and it was it was actually I know I know we have to go in a second but it was fun for me to even go back and look at like hey what were the the 10 records that people bought the most of from PRF Distro in 2014 that weren't like bottomless pit records or Silkworm Reissues or things that I had
2: commodities yeah yeah
0: but I'd had a a financial hand in like what were the things that people just on their own volition um bought and like it was just you know, ten records that like don't necessarily have that much in common with one another, except for the fact that they're all pretty darn good. But um, I don't know; it was just kind of neat to do that exercise to see, like, okay, the people have spoken, and what did they want to own? Right. And uh, and I think it's also a good lesson for the idea of PRF distro going forward, where it's like when people are sort of in kind of a better your basement than mine mentality, like offering stuff from their back catalog to carry, where it's like, no, actually, that kind of people, like the people who have wanted to buy that, they might have already bought it. Like right. just trying,
3: <laughs> right. trying, to, be, be trying to be
0: sort of forward-thinking and, and aware of, like, the bands that have these, like like that seminar's 10-inch, like the stuff that's just about to come out that's in limited quantities that like oh maybe someone's going to pair that with something older but um i don't know just just thinking about it a little more not even from like a a business standpoint but but almost more just like is this going like is this going to serve anyone right like like it'll be nice to have but is it just like this is just going to take up a little more space or is it something that like okay people uh, people want this the, the the the
2: public has spoken well i dare say you're you're providing a great service and uh, your your championship of all things that you are involved with is a uh, inspiration so wow well, thanks, man. Thanks for joining us today. It's been great talking to you. And uh, yeah, for people want to you know find out more, comedyminusone dot com, distro and keeping at Nice, right? You
0: list the URLs so I don't have to.
2: <laughs> John Solomon, thanks so much, man. No,
0: this Thank was you. super fun. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a enjoy your Thursday.
2: All thanks. right, you too. You
4: too.
2: All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. There he goes. John Solomon.
4: What a nice guy.
2: Yeah, what a, what a great dude. Like yeah. I said, I wasn't kidding, man. Inspiration. Uh, hey, it's over. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> it's never over. Uh, you've been listening to the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. And we thank you for it. Uh, thank you. Yeah, get 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 into that John Solomon stuff. He's a uh, and that meatloaf. Get into the, get into those meatloaf Christmas jams too, if you feel so inclined. Uh, great dude. I mentioned the URLs. I'm not going to do it again. Find this show on uh radoneutron.com. You can find all the podcasts, playlists of all the past episodes.
4: Podcasts.
2: You can subscribe to an email list. Too.
4: Uprate us. Rate us.
2: Up, uprate us on the iTunes. Just
4: rate us. Don't Just even us. uprate us. Just,
2: to sit there and risk in your head, that's that, that's also fine. Don't
4: berate us. Just rate <laughs> us.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter. So is Brenna.
4: Yes, yes. Bren Betts. Um, and then Kona
2: Neutron. Yep. Instagram, all that. Not on Facebook, but the show is. So like that if you're into that kind of thing, I guess. If you like it. If you do. No big deal. No pressure. Uh, coming up next, we got Atomic Bongos. I finally remembered to do an announce on it.
4: Yeah Woohoo, atomic bongos. That sounds dangerous. In I'm, a in a sexy way. Mr. Mr. In a very sexy Canada. way, really. Uh, mm-hmm. uh thank
2: you for listening, as always, and uh we'll see you next week. 8 a.m. 10 a.m. Only Or eight forty five. Or 845 for some. Only on Radio <laughs> Valencia.fm. <laughs> thanks so much. 50,000
1: wow. watts of Ionize the air. This microphone turns sound into electricity. Can you hear me now? Out on Route 128, the dark and lonely. Got my radio on. Can you hear me now? This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's It's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. You hear me now? Uh.